Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's League One podcast from the Luxport Media Network. We'll be talking everything from the FA Cup to the few league games that are on this weekend, all the way through to the January transfer window. So I'm your host this week. I'm Jamie Johnson and alongside me I've got three great uh, co-hosts. Chris first, how are you? I'm good, mate. Second podcast of a year already. <laughs> Flying, aren't we? And a, and a big win for your Cheltenham this weekend. Yeah, we'll get to that later. I know Sam's dying to mock me again. <laughs> the only fan you will ever see mocked for winning games. Yep, there's got to be one. <laughs> And Sam, how are you? I'm um, not bad, thank you, mate. Not bad. Fantastic. And Jaden as well. Ah, oh, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, first time on the podcast. Really looking forward to it. Great to meet you all as well. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Fantastic. And uh, lots to talk about this week, actually. With only a few uh, League One games, but a lot uh, in the FA Cup and obviously transfer talk that we'll get to later on. But we'll start off with the FA Cup. And before we get sort of in particular matches from the League One team to talk about sort of how we feel about the importance of the FA Cup. And a lot gets talked about the magic of the cup or whatever you want to call it. But how important is the FA Cup uh, to you guys here? I mean, it's a massive part of the game. It's probably just as big as the league is, to be honest. When you look at the history of the tournament and so on, you look at the winners and the games you've had, the upsets as well. It and. Even in today's day and age, it's just massive financially for teams in the EFL, really. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of them competitions. Like, I think some of the uh, sort of richness of the comp has been ruined, sort of, by the bigger clubs just moaning constantly about having replays all the time. But the magic is really for the lower league clubs getting their their big ties. Like we've just had the draw, and you've got Newport or Eastleigh probably going to face Manchester United at home and they're the sort of tyres that make the FA Cup 
what it is for these clubs. I remember, I think it was a few years ago, Newport had Spurs at home. And realistically, Newport are probably never going to play Spurs in the league. And them type of games are, live long in the memory of fans. Um, they obviously give a lot of income to the clubs as well, just by winning the, a round or through ticket revenue. And it can also bring a lot of younger fans into the sort of the club as well, because they get this... Uh, they get this exposure on TV where a lot of fans are are now watching nowadays as well. Yeah. It, it can almost... Yeah, so gone. It can almost bring a new level of confidence to a side who's struggling as well. I mean, you look mm. at Sheffield Wednesday beating Cardiff City 4-0 in the Cup. You're probably not going to see that in the league. I, I don't know what sort of team Cardiff put out, but I, that's not a result you're going to see in the league. And But that can also spur Sheffield Wednesday on to try get out of that relegation fight, which they look good for at the moment anyway, to be honest. Yeah, they're on a nice run out the Sheffield Wednesday. I'm sure they'll be talking about that over on the on the Championship podcast this, uh, this week. And they've got... Um, it's very big for the lower league sides, isn't it, like you said there, Sam? And especially the non-league teams of Maidstone are still in there. And uh, they beat Stevenage and uh, we'll start there. It's, I guess that was the shock of the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, I've I've seen some Stevenage fans call it the worst game in their history when going through <laughs> Twitter. Um, that can't be true. I'm sure they had some really bad games when they actually finished bottom of League Two and weren't allowed to be relegated. I don't know. It's actually a rare podcast where there's not a Stevenage fan to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for for Stevenage, they've obviously had quite obviously last year. I think I don't can't remember if they had it the year before. They had a really good FA Cup run that kind of pushed them to in the league as well. And obviously that helped their play in budget for this year and probably will next year. Um, obviously with their league position being so well off, which is a surprise, I think to 99% of people, do we think the result will hinder their sort of push up the league table or do we actually think it will benefit them considering their squad isn't actually the deepest? I don't think it's, them. yeah, I, I think it's, been a chance to sort of identify the areas they do need to strengthen in depth as well um again i've not seen what kind of team they put out but you'd imagine going against maidstone they've not played many first teamers um but I think the... they had a decent team i mean obviously not i don't think it was like the perfect team but they had i'm sure i think jamie reed was playing and i mean yeah looking at um... yeah gone Jamie Reed was playing, Jordan Roberts playing, Kane Hemmings, Nick Freeman, Pierre Gianni. It's near enough, probably their starting eleven from most weeks. The team that'd certainly do the job on paper, you'd think, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a very Steve Evans type performance, I wouldn't say that. Uh, and he didn't blame the ref for once. <laughs> <laughs> that he said the ref had a good game. I yeah, I, mean, uh... I watched a bit of the highlights for that one. They did a bit of a sort of extended highlights for that one on the uh, the match of the day, especially this weekend. And that were, I mean, they hit the post, they hit the bar, Stephen is they played all right, it looked like, maybe a little bit unlucky, but Maidstone, they took the chance with the penalty and they had enough chances created of their own and it looked quite an even game, really, from what I saw of it. Yeah, I mean, if there's any team to worry about following an FA Cup performance this weekend, it's Oxford. Mm, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and it's considering mm. they've lost, I know Carl Edwards has been injured, but they've lost him today they uh, lost James Beadle today to he's gone back and then gone to Sheffield Wednesday and I think there was one more but I cannot remember who it was off the top of my head uh... yeah the thing I'd wrote down in my notes about Oxford was warning signs maybe about 
maybe not the fact that they lost to Coventry, which probably you'd expect, but the manner six two is a huge mm. loss, isn't it? Even away from home against the team doing all that in the championship. Yeah, and the results have been a little bit inconsistent since Buckingham come in, but there's two sides to it, isn't there? When a manager leaves, when a club is doing so well, it can be difficult for the new man coming in because he wants to put his own ideas across. So it's a bit like, do you stick with what's going so well, but that's not your philosophy? Or do you try and implement some of your ideas and they just don't work with the current players you've got? And obviously losing key players is probably not helping. Um I think it's a case of, like I said before, a lot of those players probably joined with the idea of playing for a manager like Liam Manning, like Ruben Rodriguez, and they're still feeling really hard done by and just don't seem to want to play, maybe. But, yeah. I mean, Portsmouth, I yeah. Portsmouth should worry because the, the first warning sign seems to be lose to us, go on a dreadful run. So <laughs> uh, it seems to be the thing with Portsmouth, though. I, I think I've said it before. Every year, it's the same thing with Portsmouth. We get to January, and they are doing really well. They're in the top three or four. And then they just kind of dwindle down the league because they don't invest enough in January. I don't know if it's because their budget's already at the top top limits um, or they just think we well, can go with what we've got. But they've obviously lost Regan Paul for the whole season. Um, they've lost someone else for the full season as well. Um They've got some players who are a bit out of form in Gavin, like people like Gavin White, who is completely out of form. Um, so they, they probably need two or three players to come in. For Portsmouth's sake, I hope they don't actually drop down the league, but they've now got played two games more than Bolton and are only two points clear. They have played one game more than Peterborough and only four points clear. So the gap at the top is starting to get a lot tighter now. Yeah, and I mean, you say that about January, they, they were well into it by January because January was where they finally had enough last season. And I think by this point last season, they'd won one game in 14 or something. Mm-hmm. So that's where the run sort of started. It's January where they sort of pick it back up and had a couple of results. They were unfortunate in a couple of results at the end of last season and probably could have pushed on to the playoffs if those games had gone their way. Mm. Yeah, yeah I know we'll it. talk a little bit more in depth about Oxford a little bit later on as we talk about there's sort of like a bit of a run, two or three of new managers that are sort of struggling a little bit in League One. Uh, one other FA Cup game I wanted to mention before we moved on, and Jaden, I'll ask you about this one, was Blackpool. They uh, drew 2-2 away in Nottingham Forest. They were 2-0 up, but ended up with a draw, which is still a great result at a Premier League side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very, very good result. Impressive, obviously, taking the uh, taking the 2-0 lead. A uh, bit of a shame for him to lose it, but, you know, that'll uh, spur them on a little bit. I think they started the season quite badly. I know uh, they lost to us 2-0 at our place very early on, but they're starting, to, uh, they're starting to bring themselves back into the playoff mix and, like, with Oxford, you know, falling off a little bit, maybe... Um, they can sort of get up into that playoff race and it would definitely do good for their confidence as well, bringing a little bit more money maybe as well uh, for the January transfer window with the replay. Obviously, Forrester bring quite a few fans uh, down to Bloomfield Road. So it'd be, uh, yeah, it's a very good result for Blackpool. They'd be disappointed they didn't go on to win it. But um, yeah, a draw's very, very solid and they'll take the replay for sure. Yeah, no, Critchley, after, as you were saying, how much of an achievement it was to get a replay and Thomas Frank was the one complaining the other day, the Brentford manager of all people, to complain about the fact that we have FA Cup replays. Ten years ago, they'd have been loving an FA Cup replay. But um, mm. bit beside the point, 
Uh, one of the other ones worth picking out before we move on to the uh, the League One games was uh, the biggest game ever of Wrexham beating uh, Shrewsbury at the weekend. They won 1-0. Uh, probably a disappointing result for Shrewsbury, but not the massive derby that maybe it was drummed up to be. But um, would you expect a result like that? I don't know. I mean, Wrexham, obviously, the division below, but that there's such a big side in that division, aren't they? I could see Sam just bursting <laughs> to jump on the Shrewsbury subject and bully them for a I've, I've set it up for you, Sam. I've set it up. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have Shrewsbury fans DMing me and just abusing me. Um, it probably wasn't a result. It was was a result I expected. Um, as, we, as we've said numerous times, Shrewsbury don't score goals. Wrexham have a League One squad and they can score goals and they don't concede very many. And when you've got a striker like Paul Mullin, who is a top League One striker, um, you're going to score goals and obviously there's been some links with Shrewsbury signing strikers so for their sake I hope they do get one and I can then leave them alone <laughs> there's, um, plenty of, there's plenty of talk going around about new strikers and uh, a couple we'll talk about later but Shrewsbury not linked to any of them at the minute I think they were linked to is it Joe Taylor who's just been recalled by Luton right. from Colchester they were linked with him last week but that's... everyone's linked to Joe Taylor I think <laughs> It's all, it's all gone very, very well. Do Bolton need him? I see, exactly. They got Dion Charles. I couldn't see him going there for game time. I know Lincoln, us and Oxford are all linked with him, so I could see him going. Obviously, I think Oxford need a striker quite a bit. We uh, Vokes is starting to hit form, but I think maybe Dale Taylor's not been so good for us, so I could see us maybe bringing in Joe Taylor. Then we'd have Taylor, 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 which would be interesting. <laughs> uh, That's not going to be yeah. confusing. Yeah, I think Lyle Taylor's off, but uh, yeah, we still have two Taylors. Um, and then Lincoln, obviously, as well, they might need a striker. They're sort of lower mid-table, wouldn't they? Mid-table yeah. sort of area. So I think if he's going for game time, he would definitely go to one of those three clubs, maybe even Shrewsbury. But yeah, Bolton were the front runners, I think. And I saw a load of Bolton fans in the uh, Colchester comments section earlier today saying, oh, cheers for him, he's coming to Bolton or whatever. So <laughs> I don't really know what's happening there. <laughs> I know we, we did we did to death the who needs a striker chat last week, didn't we? So we were talking about Lincoln and rambling on about who everyone needs a striker. But uh, Jaden, and we'll talk about uh, your uh, game because the audio listeners won't be able to see, but you've got a Wiccan Wonders shirt on there, haven't you? And they uh, drew one-one with Bolton at the weekend. A couple of goals in the second half, and the thing I saw looking through the stats was Wiccan. They had twenty-one shots in that game, just four on target, and came away with a draw. Yeah, story of our season, really, if I'm honest with you. We had uh, plenty of chances. And uh, first half was what you'd expect from Wickham versus Burton, really. Just scrappy, you know, not very much in the game. Two pretty defensively resolute teams. Uh, pretty good match for each other, if I'm honest. And then um, I think we were unlucky to concede, obviously, the first goal. It was very against the run of play. We came out the second half pretty much firing on all cylinders. And then um, they got a... They, it's just a long ball forwards. Joe Lowe knocked it down, trying to clear it, and just a sensational strike from Lubala. To be fair, to uh, to put them one nil up, but we got back in it and uh, Vokes. <laughs> the twenty one shots, I reckon, about fifteen of them were Vokes. Honestly, <laughs> he he had so many chances, and um, he did put one away. I don't know if you've seen the goal, but it's a proper good finish, cross into the box first time on the on the turn. Uh, and then Crocombe as well, someone to mention, uh, Max Crocombe, had another blinder. He was the hero when they came to Adams Park. Uh, he won them a point, basically. Um, it was a nil-nil draw earlier in the season. He won them a point there. And he won them a point um, He won them a point on Saturday as well because like some of the saves he made, there was a shot where we, uh, David Wheeler 
found himself on the edge of the box with like loads of space and just hammered it. And <laughs> somehow he's got fingertips to it and tips it onto the uh, tips it onto the bar. It's unbelievable, yeah. So he, he made some very good saves, especially towards the end when uh, Wickham were pressing. And um, obviously, our manager Matt Bloomfield was a touchline band, so um, we had the assistant calling the shots. And um, Bloomfield was on the phone to the um, <laughs> the goalkeeping coach through the whole thing. I didn't notice he had his headphones in, so I was like, "Oh, he's probably on the phone to Bloomfield." I did ask him about that in the uh, interview afterwards, and he said, "Yes, he was." So he did have an impact on the game, but yeah, he, he was. Fairly happy with the result. I mean, the point's a point. Burton's a tough place to go. But, you know, it could have been free. And it was Wickham are starting to pick up a little bit. I'm beating them free now, but just need to start, you know, stringing some wins together and being a little bit more clinical. It was the old Steve McLaren trip, wasn't it, with the phone when he was up sort of high in the first half, was up <laughs> in the stands, with phoning down on the landline. <laughs> oh, uh, the yeah, other... Yeah, the other Sorry. draw from these uh, few games was the free-free with Port Vale against Charlton. And I'm sure Sam and Chris and everyone, everyone will have so much to say about this one, yeah. So Charlton that led three times, but a 90-second minute Gavin Macy win, uh, equaliser. Got a free-free draw there. Yeah, and... we had a, had a couple of Charlton fans last week message. So thank you for your actually having a conversation and not being abusive. Um <laughs> We had a conversation, obviously, about Johnson, Clark, Harris and, and Charlton. Um, it does look like that will happen. And to, to, I, I still maintain my point of, is it something they desperately need? They still managed to score three goals without Alfie May away from home. I know it's Port Vale and they're not the best in sort of team, but you still scored three goals away from home and you did still didn't win the match. And if you're scoring three goals away from home, you 99% of the time should be winning the football match. And I still think they need investment in midfield. They've got a very inexperienced midfield other than, I know George, George Dobson's still only 24. Um, so I know Scott Fraser, but he's been a bit injured. It's still quite a very inexperienced team. And yes, Johnson Clark-Harris would add experience to that team. But it, I still don't think he is someone they desperately need. I still maintain they probably need an experienced head in the middle of the park. And don't forget, you've got the obviously the rumours that Corey Blackett Taylor may be off this window as well. That would be big. Yeah, that'd be a big miss, that wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, hey. Some interesting things from that game. The stats. I don't know if you've looked at the stats, but they do not go the way you would expect them to go. Oh blimey! No, they don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a quick glance at that, and it was like, blood Christ. <laughs> um. If you were going to say someone had 29 shots on goal, 12 on target in a Port Vale Charlton game, you would expect it to be Port uh, Charlton, wouldn't you? Yeah. And to say uh, a lot of them were inside the penalty area as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of shots, wasn't it, from Port Vale? But they, you like you said, uh, Chris, they wouldn't, you just wouldn't expect you to see three, three on paper. You maybe thought Charlton have had the best of it, but Port Vale, a lot of shots on target uh, and shots in general compared to Charlton in that one. Yeah, Charlton only managed seven shots, four on target, and Port Vale with 29-12 on target. It's just not the... It's completely against the run of play, um, in, in terms of the table anyway. Maybe not the form table so much nowadays with Port Vale. Sort of, I know Sam last week said he was a bit worried about Charlton going into this one. Mm. But the other interesting one I saw was I've seen Charlton fans say Carnu 
can't do much for the team. Um, and he's on the score sheet, and obviously he offers something to the team because they've recalled him from his loan early to bring him back in. So what the fans are seeing, I'm not sure. I think people have to remember he's also 19 as well. Yeah. Um, this is, I think it's his first proper season, obviously, at League One. And it people are calling, especially at lower leagues, to develop their young players and give them minutes. And then when they get minutes and they're not really up to scratch yet, they hammer them. Yeah, we've had that at Lincoln uh, to the last few months because a lot of injuries, obviously. And McCarmel, one of the youth products, has been given a bit more game time. And he's looked all right. He's scored one or two goals, but not n- nothing special. But it's his first real chance at a League One level. And he's and he's come in, had a few poor games, and now it's like, why why have we got him in? Get him gone. It's like, he's not there yet. He's in sooner as that time, doesn't he? And it seems it's a story that happens all over the place. A lot of people are getting recalled this month, aren't they, to the parent clubs and you think they're not going to get too much game time. They might be better off staying at the, the clubs that they're doing well at. 100%. And uh, that one with Charlton, it was interesting. Uh, you talked about the form table a little bit, Chris, that no wins in nine games now for Charlton. There are 13 League One games without a clean sheet for my Carpenters team. And that's really awful reading, isn't it, for any Charlton fans around? Yeah, I mean, obviously with the takeover situation and things like that, they'd be going into the season with a new hope. And then you bring in one of the most prolific goal scorers the EFL seen in recent years in Alfie May, who I think he's, he's, I'm not sure how many he's on now. I know last time I looked, he was on 16. Um, but you think, sort of if, figure, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, if he's hitting around that sort of figure for, a bottom half of a table team, what would he what should he be hitting in a team that would be getting promoted and receiving service from players like Blackett Taylor? Mm. Yeah, I mean he's, he's scored a lot of goals, hasn't he, after me? And it's the the fact that he's scoring so many goals and they've got someone scoring that many goals, but they're still not winning every game and winning most games at the minute. I mean it speaks to maybe a deeper problem and like I said we've three times in that game they took the lead and they still didn't win it's maybe a deeper problem than just attacking resources at Charlton well they've uh they've scored they've conceded nearly as many goals as they've scored they they've scored 39 goals this season conceded 37 so Hmm. I I don't think Johnson Clark Harris is what they need this window I think they should be prioritizing spending money on a defender with a figure like that, because if they want to start pushing towards the playoffs, which might already be out of sight, really, they're on 30 points and they're 13 points behind the playoffs. So not to say, I mean, anything can happen in league one, but I think they might already be out of sight of the playoffs, which it's a busy table, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. They they look favorites for the playoffs at the start of the season with some of the signings they've made and, Obviously, they got off to a bit of a poor start under Holden, and then Appleton came in. Things look promising again, but it seems to have gone under again. Mm, definitely. And uh, a couple of other strugglers, a bit lower down the table. Uh, Exeter beating Carlisle 2 1. It was a much needed win for Exeter, that one. Um, and Cheltenham, 2 1 winners against Portsmouth. Cut uh, upturn for the table, that one. 22nd beating. Uh, top of the league and Derby 3-1 winners in Charlie Adams' first game at Fleetwood. There, they 
the three other games in League One. What are we what have we got to pick out there? Chris, I'm sure you've got something to pick out of the Cheltenham game. I mean, last season Portsmouth battered us 4-0, I think. And now in one game they battered us 4-0. And now we've gone into a double over um a two games over them, a nil-nil draw and a two-nil draw. So the league leaders have failed to score against us in both games. Um it's it's uh, I say failed to score, it was two one, wasn't it? Yeah, two one, yeah. Yeah. Um failed to yeah. win. Yeah, failed to win. We'll go with that. Um But what's re- really interesting is you look at the minutes of the goals. Portsmouth took the lead in the 49th minute, 51st minute circum scored, 54th minute circum scored again to give us the lead. And I think it's circum scored against Portsmouth for every club he's played for. And it was his first brace as well in his career. Well, so yeah, but we spoke about Portsmouth earlier, and I do have to agree. They're starting a bit get a bit of a worry because it's just the most Portsmouth thing to do to slip up, and it seems to be a League One thing to do as well to slip up a massive lead at the top of the table now. Yeah, Bolton have got uh, two games in hand on them. They win just one of those. They'll. Uh, take the top spot. Jaden, is it panic stations at Portsmouth? Um, honestly, I don't really know. I know they're 18th in the form table, so it's not looking good. Depends what they do in this January as well. I think Portsmouth, when they obviously they rely a lot on Colby Bishop and people like that, and they've got a few players out of form, like we've mentioned, like Gavin White. So it's definitely something to be concerned about, especially with how much their gaps diminished at the top of the table recently. I think maybe, you know, they've got to look at possibly getting a defender in because Regan Paul, they're not going to have him for the rest of the season. He's a huge miss for them. How they managed to get him in League One, I'll never know. I thought he was definitely bound for the championship. So, yeah, he's a great player. A huge miss for them. But, yeah, it's just, it's sort of, is a running theme with Pompey though in, over the years. Like they get into a decent position and they just sort of fall off. And I know a lot of their fans I've seen on Twitter saying, oh, it's the annual Christmas bottle, you know, like it always happens. And I feel like it it might happen again. Obviously they, they were running away with it a few months back and, you know, they still, they could still win the league. They could sort this form out. Every team goes through a bit of a rough patch and uh, I wouldn't be panicking just yet. But it's definitely they'll definitely be looking nervously over their shoulders. I think at the competition behind them. Definitely, and um, maybe someone else. Well, they won't be looking over their shoulders because they're they're right at the bottom. Fleetwood losing, like we said, three one to uh, Derby. They really, really need to find a win from somewhere. Charlie Adam, you'd, you'd expect them to lose to Derby, wouldn't they? But their first game to lose three one at home, not great, is it? Really? No, I think I don't think them sort. I know them sort of results don't really. I don't think determine where they're going to finish at the end of the season. In their next four, they do have Cambridge, um, and they've got Portsmouth, they've got Wickham, and they've got Port Vale. So two of them four are definitely bigger games for their season. Port Vale at home and Cambridge away are probably the two I'd pick out of. They need to at least get a point from one of them just to show some sort of survivability. Mm. Do you think maybe it's been a bit of... Ill-advised, maybe it's too early to say, obviously, with Charlie, but you think maybe they should have gone with someone a bit more experienced? Uh, I think so, personally. But who would, in their right mind, realistically would want to go to Fleetwood? I think they will go down. The budget's not going to be huge. Um, 
and you will most likely get a relegation on your CV. You're eight points adrift of Exeter City, over just over the halfway mark. So, and let someone like Charlie Adam, it's probably a no risk move. I feel they probably should keep faith with him, even if they go down. Let him rebuild the squad, get his own ideas across, because it's it's so challenging to get your ideas across when you're in this sort of dogfight because the players are so fragile on confidence. You don't want to change too much and don't overload them with information. You just want them to try and go out there and just play without pressure and play with a bit of freedom. Um, But yeah, it's not looking good for Fleetwood Um, or Carlisle for that matter, really. I know they've made a couple of signings this week, but yeah. Just to... uh... Just to say, uh, follow up on what Sam said, on you'd get a relegation on your CV. And I know it's a name we don't like to mention, really, but it's a similar situation to what Joey Barton had in his first job. He went down with Bristol Rovers and then immediately got them back up on probably one of the most historic League 2 promotion days as well for 7-0. Yeah. Mm. I remember being... Where was I? I remember being, at a, I think, on the way back from an Orient game and just looking at my phone, and, oh, it's 6-0, oh, they could do this. And then you refresh the page and it's 7. It's like, oh, my God, they have done it. And I think that in football league history, that's got to be one of the most standout sort of Deeney, hog Deeney moments. It's got to be alongside that if you had a commentator there. Yeah, definitely. will. Uh, we'll take a little break now and then we'll move on to some uh, other new manager struggles in the league and then some transfer talk before a few extra bits at the end. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Look Sports Media League One podcast. And now we'll uh, turn our attention to some of the new managers uh, across the division. They've been in their post for a little bit of time, but maybe a struggling and we mentioned Oxford a little bit earlier on Des Buckingham came in in November they were second at the time with Liam Manning moving on and they're now fifth he came in with sort of big expectations I know at the time it was when Lincoln were looking for a new manager and he was one of the names uh, that was rumoured with that one as well and it was he had this brand of football with the city group obviously over in Mumbai and that sort of thing and it it looked a really exciting prospect but they've they've slipped a little bit maybe he's finding it hard to adapt um into League One, what do we make of that? Yeah, I think, as Sam said earlier, it's about he's going into a massive style of change of play. And I think going into a team who were in the position Oxford were in when he came in, it would make it even harder to implement what he wanted to implement. But as I said earlier, a lot of the players probably went there for Manning and 
probably still feel really hard done by by the way he just up and left it sort of just put tools down and went away sort of thing um so i don't with the recall of beadle and the exits and you've got brannigan uh bristol uh manning wants him at bristol those sort of things in january i don't see things picking up and probably i see them slipping out of the playoffs as well yeah, difficult time there, isn't it? Brannigan is a championship player, isn't he? It wouldn't surprise me if he got that little step up into the uh, the championship. But you mentioned a, a recall there, and uh, that was something, a theme we talked about last week with Lincoln City. They have decided this week to recall Freddie Draper, and they'll be hoping that he can sort of um, stop the rot. There's seven games without a win, four straight defeats, and they, they, they've travelled to a place called Wickham, don't they, Jaden, at the weekend? Yeah, a lovely place called Wickham. Uh, it'd be an interesting game for sure. I mean, obviously you uh, smashed us 3-0 at your place, so um, I'm not really expecting too much from us. Pretty even game. Um, I I don't know what to expect going into it. Um, with us, we're really just hit and miss. Like Sometimes we'll turn up, score three, like we did at the Bristol Rovers game, put in a good performance. And then um, other times we'll just miss every single chance we get that gets thrown our way like we did on Saturday. So uh, I'd be surprised if um, we got a win out of it. It's one of them games that you'd be uh, you'd be looking at. It's like, oh, it's possibly winnable, but, you know, Lincoln, obviously good sides, sort of similar position to what we are, a little bit higher. But, um, yeah, it could well be, you know, a, a, a draw. That's what I'm thinking. Could be a Lincoln narrow win. But Wickham, the thing is with Wickham at the minute, we don't concede a lot of goals, but we don't score many either. I don't know if that's a similar sort of thing with Lincoln. It's just like Lincoln, that, yeah. Well, they yeah. concede quite a few. That's the problem at the minute. Uh, but we don't score, so you might be right. <laughs> uh, Sam Vokes, uh, he's sort of got his he's sort of got his act together a little bit. He's um, he's putting in some good performances, rolling back the years. Uh, definitely still one of the best strikers at this level. And I think he goes a little bit under the radar because he didn't score very many goals last season and he hasn't this season. But like what he does for Wickham, his plays, hold up play, his little like layoffs to Dale Taylor. He's um he's been fantastic for us these last few games. So he's definitely a sort of a danger man to look out for on on Saturday. But um yeah, who's sort of Lincoln's danger men that we should keep an eye on? Um, no one at the minute. I mean, no <laughs> is, is Sorensen still injured for you, lot? Uh, he got injured on uh, New Year's Day. There's not been any talk about it. Uh, I'm at the press conference on Thursday, so hopefully, I'll, I'll we'll get some sort of answer out of Scabada if hopefully he's back. Uh, I have bad memories of him, very bad yeah, memories. He's a good player, Sorensen. He's one of them that they look maybe that will be in the championship in the next year or two. Yeah. Uh, if Lincoln aren't, I could imagine he is. Um, but yeah, an interest with 10 injuries uh, after that Blackpool game um, for Lincoln. If We don't know how many of those are back yet. And there's three or four of them definitely won't be. But the other ones, potentially a couple back. Um, so really interesting. I mean, Freddie Draper uh, is back and he's recalled. He's nobody picked up a bit of an injury, but apparently he's, he'll all be fine for the weekend. Uh, Jack Vale, the add-on loan from Blackburn, has been sent back. So a bit of a change, but nothing um, too... Exciting yet. Uh, Jack Morland's in, so he'll be uh, in the game for that one, perhaps. Um, but one of the other teams we've sort of picked out in this, uh, the the new manager struggles, uh, the last one really, is Michael Apple. And we talked about Charlton a little bit, didn't we? As uh, we said, no wins in nine games. Is it sort of a, a huge window for him if he, if he can't bring in some uh, some players and turn the form around? Do you think he'll be gone? 
I don't think uh, he'll be gone. I think no, he'll be given half a next season. I would agree. I think they'd be stupid to sack him. It, you can't keep going through managers. At some point, the players uh, have to take some sort of responsibility. It's been, I think it was like this with Cholton last season. They were kind of around mid table. And it's like the discussion. I'll use Man United as the example because they're the easiest one to pick off the top of my head. You can't keep going through managers and expecting the players to change their ways. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult because m- managers, I think, deserve more time than they do get in the modern day. Um, it's sort of four losses. Oh, this manager needs to sod off and we need to get a new one, new fresh ideas. And it, it shouldn't be like that. Um in a way, I kind of admire Exeter for keeping Gary Caldwell as long as they have. And they they have had an upturn in form. So it it can work both ways. Um, but I think the problem Michael Appleson has is he's already lost the fans. Um, and that, that trust Did he ever have be... them? I think that's the problem. This is a, this is a good point. Um, but he has had, decent re- he had a decent mm. record at Oxford at this level. So there is definitely a manager in there. Um, do the players fit his style of play? Probably not. Um, it, I don't know, like we said earlier, it's a very inexperienced midfield. Um, Carnu's obviously young, the two Campbells are young. Um, so the, the squad probably needs five or six altogether, just probably experienced pros. I know they got Tyreek uh, Backinson, I think, from Sheffield Wednesday on loan. Um, he's obviously a, not an experienced midfielder, but he's got a lot of games under his belt and was on loan at Ipswich two years ago at this sort of level. So We'll see what happens with Charlton. Yeah, it's one of them where they need sort of a win now before before it's too late. So I mean, to sort of turn it around and maybe Clark Harris, as we talked about earlier, he'll, he could come in and maybe that'll be the sort of spark that can uh, get the second half of the season going for them. Um, but another one of these sort of transfer uh, topics at the minute is Jake Young from... Bradford. He was on loan at Swindon, uh, just been recalled this past week and uh, at Swindon. I thought it was quite an interesting one that he'd been on loan from Bradford to a team in the same division and he scored 16 goals, four assists in his 25 games so far. Uh, he's obviously in great form looking at those stats and only McCordy Langstaff is above him uh, in the top scorers list in uh, League 2 and if you take away Langstaff's couple of penalties, he's only one goal behind uh, in that list and apparently Port Vale and Exeter, the League 1 team's chasing him but could be a number of teams after a play like that 100%. yeah i mean it's a striker so sam's internally screaming shrewsbury <laughs> sign him um, but... <laughs> no I, I want him we need a striker yeah him. it's a concern like does he do the same in league one as he has done in league two because we've seen so many players make the step up and not be what they promised to be and I think in some cases you see players who it's a bit of both stick ends of both um, both ends of the same stick really. He can either come in, do a fantastic job, and help a side out, or he'll be absolutely abysmal. And it's a risk, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive risk, and I think where he ends up as well is the key factor in how he plays, obviously. Because I don't see him excelling, really, in a Port Vale and Exeter side that don't really create. 
because um, obviously to score chances, you've got to create chances, and it just doesn't seem to happen for them. But a strong transfer window could help build a side around him, really, as well. Would someone like a Blackpool be interested if Jordan Rhodes was to get be recalled, I wonder? Because if Jordan Rhodes goes back, they're going to need a striker. Yeah, it's interesting, could, wasn't it? I could more see, say, someone like Peterborough, maybe, mm-hmm. to replace Johnson Clark Harris. But then at the same time, they have such a strong attacking line already, they don't really need him anyway. No, if Peterborough were to sign a striker, I know their owners come out and said that they'll only be signing like sort of under 21 players. Um, I would expect Peterborough to go after um, Al Hamadi from Wimbledon if they were to get a striker. Um, it kind of fits their sort yeah, of scoring plenty, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think at the end of the day, if a striker is scoring goals, they are going to be wanted by absolutely everyone because a goal scoring number nine is the most sought after position in football. They're hard to come by, aren't they? And I think it's... maybe. The thing with Jake Young and Alhamadi is uh, how much these clubs in League Two can command for the type of player. Because I can't really see, being not being funny, I can't really see an exit being able to afford a Jake Young, something like that. Because you know he's probably he's got plenty of years left on his contract. Same with Alhamadi. He's um, they, they can just say whatever they want, really, can't they? And that'll put teams off. But yeah, it's obviously. Like we said, scoring a goal scoring forward is very sought after. <laughs> They're rare to come across, especially, you know, at this level. Um, and will teams take a punt on him? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Al Hamadi's one where obviously he's played for my club, Wickham. He was no good at Wickham at League One level. He he had his chance, he didn't take it, he got released, went to Wimbledon, he smashed it fair play to him. But like some of the fees at their command, they turned down one and a half mil in the uh in the summer from Barnsley, it's it's crazy. I know that is inflated because we've got quite a uh, quite a sell on clause on him, but it's just like some of the fees that they can command for League Two players is just outrageous, really. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a really bizarre situation as well if Bradford have recalled him just to sell him. It'd be like the Owen Doyle situation they had a couple of years ago. They loaned Owen Doyle for to Swindon. He then got recalled by Bradford and then was sold straight back to Swindon. It'd be interesting to see if he gets to go at Bradford, isn't it? There's seems to be a lot of talk about um sort of if he'll come back into the team or if they have recorded him to sell him on. I mean, if he plays at the weekend you um for Bradford, then it sort of puts an end to it, doesn't it? That he'll be staying there. Yeah. yeah. Just to go off topic a second, I did want to um Jaden said about sell on clauses. And I did want to go on one team in League One who could be due a massive one, and that would be Carlisle. Because I've read today that Real Madrid apparently want Bramthwaite. Oh, imagine yeah. that goes for what? For, it'd be inflated price because he's English. So let's say the, the Bramthwaite to Everton, Jaden Bramthwaite. Yeah, yeah. If we if we said fifty million quid, does that seem fair in today's market for a centre half? English, English. centre half. Yeah, something if like we that. We said fifty million, and even if they've got twenty percent of that sell-on clause, that's ten million quid. And they've just had a takeover. Yeah. They're going to be swimming yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> they need to avoid the drop, though, don't they? They're right at the bottom. Yeah. And loss to Exeter ain't going to help them either, yeah. is it? Yeah, it's a big chunk of money, that, isn't it? For Even if it's half that five, and it's a huge chunk of money for a League One team, that. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily yeah, that... have to go on players either, does it? It can go on the upkeep of the club, anything, really. 
mm. be huge money for him. Mm. As soon as you've brought up money there, Chris, I mean, it's a bit of a bit of a mean segue, but we're talking about money, so we'll move on to Reading. Maybe a team without money at the minute. There's a lot of money troubles over there. Um, they've uh, some news come out there uh, the last couple of days. The assistant boss and the director of player development have both left, and financial pressures that's what that's been put down to uh, on the BBC article uh, a restructure of the coaching staff uh, for Ruben Sellers. Um, really horrible situation there, and sort of they seem to be slipping further and further away, don't they? Yeah, and nothing positive seems to come out of Reading anymore. and it's horrible because every time there seems to be a glimmer of hope for the club, it seems to be snatched away from them. Because I think it's, is it two or three takeovers now that haven't gone through? Yeah, it's around, around that. Yeah, I know they have uh, Mark Ashley, but that's completely disappeared. If if it's not sorted by the summer, then you worry about are we going to have a Reading to watch it uh, to see anymore. Yeah, there's only so much the EFL will do, isn't there? They can keep giving points deductions, but eventually with that points deduction, they will get relegated. And yeah. I know they're, they're unbeaten in five at the moment, um, but without they're not going to obviously invest in January. Um, obviously, Fleetwood, I don't expect to. Carlisle are investing. Cheltenham, I think, William will get players in because, like we said last week, Daryl Clark sent seven of his eight loanees back or something like that. So there's going to be players coming in there. So the teams around him will be improving. And yes, their of... young players will be developing and getting better. But when the pressure comes at the end of the season and it's crunch time and you need to win football matches, they're not going to have any sort of experience in that lineup to pull them through them sort of one nil wins in the 90th minute sort of thing. A lot of... A lot of it comes down to uh, sell-on clauses like we just mentioned as well. I think it was the BBC yesterday did a really fascinating article on um, how sell-on clauses have helped clubs uh, like Jordan Ive going from Liverpool to Bournemouth helping Wickham and mm. things mm. like that. So I yeah. think we need to see a lot more sell-on clauses. If a club are going to sign from League 1, League 2 into the Premier League, I think it should be a requirement of some way that a sell-on clause is put in, sort of similar to how we see that you have to have a release clause in a contract in Spain. Yeah, I know it's something we do quite heavily, and it's um, our owners and director of football have said every sale we make. To, so I used Stephen Alzate when he left us for Brighton when we went into the National League. There was a, I think it was a twenty percent sell-on clause. So if he leaves Brighton for ten million pounds, which I don't think they'll get, we'll get ten percent of that. Two million pounds, so uh, ten million pounds. So, yeah, you just help this sort of a resolution for Reading, don't you? If just for like the fans' sake, but also the players and the staff that are still there, you just hope that something comes out of it and they manage to sort of solve a, a really awful situation they've got there. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The last thing you want to see is really. yeah. So go on, Jay. It's the last thing you want to see, isn't it? Just like, another club sort of slipped by like Scunthorpe did the other year. Yeah, it's just it happens to so many clubs, you know, and it, it just shouldn't happen. Like Reading, they're obviously a massive club, championship, arguably Premier League level, all the way down bottom league one now because points deductions, financial issues. And the EFL needs to start, you know, taking actual care in who takes over these football clubs now. Cause obviously you've seen Berry go under, Macclesfield, things like that, you know, Oldham are down in uh, the National League now. He's just seen so many clubs just plummet in the last 10, 15 years. It's ridiculous. And I think um, 
obviously we have all these owners like Ryan Reynolds and that coming in at Wrexham and things like that. But you know, you get uh, every so often you get the bad owners like you've got a Reading and uh, just drag a club down, stop caring, don't invest money, and it, it's it's gutting to see because you know you'd hate for that to be your club and you worry one day that it might be. And how so. much? How much would an appointment like Ruben Sellers have helped them financially, though? Because when you think he was, it, granted, it's his first proper head uh, head coaching job, isn't it? But mm. given he was spent the end of last season in charge of a Premier League team, he can't have come cheap for them. So no, that's why I'm looking at it. Has that done some damage to the club financially as well, and affected the situation too? It was quite it like a, an appointment. Possibly. It was like quite an intent, wasn't it? They brought him in. Mm. You think, oh wow, they've they've sort of sorted something out. But gone, you you're going to say Sam? But yeah, it seems like it. It sort of hasn't come through, has it? No, not at all. And it's it's a good point, Chris made. He kind of took the word straight out of my mouth. So yeah, I don't have anything to add on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way someone says it before you do. <laughs> Uh, before we get to uh, so the couple of bits where we'll sort of shoot around the room and uh, go for a couple of interesting topics, uh, look ahead, uh, a quick look ahead to the weekend. And uh, it's the big game for me uh, on Saturday is Charlton against uh, Peterborough. That seems to be sort of the pick of the fixtures this week. I know we talked a little bit about uh, Wickham versus Lincoln um, coming up as well. But that Charlton-Peterborough game, that's, I mean, two big teams, two teams up the, the right end of the table. And they sort of need a result both of them there, don't they? Yeah, Peterborough sort of starting to close in on Bolton and Portsmouth as well. Bolton, Sam's going to laugh at me again, probably, because we have Bolton, so... Um, well, I, uh, I can't say anything. We conceded three in ten minutes to Bolton. I can't say anything. Well, you have Portsmouth as well, but... I'm going. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Letting all in away at Portsmouth, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many fans we're taking. Um but it should be a good day out. And they're a bit out of form. We're kind of in quite a good bit of form. So, and hopefully, and we, one of our players said after the Cambridge win, he said, we're out for to show them what we can do after they literally thumped us on our own <laughs> the third game of the season. So, um, a little bit of honesty. Going it's on a the bit form, like that. Um, sorry, go on. Going on the form, one win, two losses, two draws in their last five, Portsmouth. Wow. Yeah, I think Jaden mentioned earlier. I think that puts them 18th in the form table, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. not top of the 18th. table form at all, is it? No, and I mean, you look at the, t- the form of Bolton and Peterborough chasing as well. Bolton, four wins on the bounce now. Peterborough, three wins, two draws. So, I think, yeah. I think Derby are the team to watch coming up behind them as well. Four wins out of five. Um, experienced at this level, a manager that's won promotion. And it's a typical Paul Warren thing to do. Have an average first 15 games and then all of a sudden performances happen. And they kind of done it very sneakily, Derby, haven't they? Nobody's really mentioned Derby. And now they're in fourth place and they're like two points off second. I think yeah. the only time I mentioned Derby was when I said they'd miss out on the playoffs. So <laughs> if, if, uh, if, they, if they finish second, I'm not really wrong, am I? because <laughs> they missed the playoffs <laughs> they just missed out of the playoffs so finished that's what you meant all along wasn't it yeah yeah we'll go with that changing my take on Derby completely yeah they've got Burton on uh, on Monday night actually I think it must be on is it on telly on Monday night no I don't think it is they've, yeah it is on got, telly 
Oh, is it? it? Is. They said oh, two it weeks in a row. They're on telly. They were against Fleetwood, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Derby must uh, be doing the same one. It's a local derby game, isn't it? Yeah. It's local. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Hardly a derby, no. Yeah. The derby derby. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but Sam, you brought up an interesting topic about uh, your trip over to Portsmouth. That was uh, sort of one of these last two topics we're going to talk about. It's sort of our favourite or bucket list grounds to go to uh, in the EFL. I'm sure Portsmouth's up there for you, but I'll, I'll kick off. I'll give you a, a sort of a, a couple of minutes to think about that. And the place I went this uh, season with Doncaster, I'm a Doncaster uh, fan, and I went over to Edgeley Park when uh, we played Stockport. I mean, it was, it was a, we lost, near, we, I nearly got kicked by a police horse, but it was a great day out. It was a proper away day. <laughs> this pub, we went, they, like, we all, the, Away pub was uh, the beer garden was the car park. It was a proper place we ended up going to there. Um, but the either Ellen Road or the City Ground for Nottingham Forest, they're the two that sort of they're the ones that I really uh, want to go to. I mean, hopefully Doncaster can get back up there and a bit further up, but you never know. But uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Is there a bucket list or a favorite ground in the EFL? Um, actually going to stick on the theme of Derby and Pride Park quite a nice ground i'd definitely mm. like to go to sort of atmosphere um probably not far off premier league standard maybe in league one which is obviously quite rare um i've been in the mk don's ground but that was for a concert not for a um probably for the best it's the, it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean you guys you guys will love the photos because it was a ramstein show so there was fire everywhere so if anyone wants to see mk don stadium fire uh no no uh, that's not a thing i'd joke about but the pyro in there was absolutely mental for a concert as well but yeah i'm gonna have to go with pride park pride park Jaden, what about you uh, so mine a few weeks ago would have been similar to Chris, but I uh, ticked off Pride Park. It is definitely a Premier League standard, I'd say. Mine's actually a bit of a weird one. Brunton Park, Carlisle. I've just never done Carlisle away, and I've been told how brutal it is. And obviously, <laughs> I'm a Wickham fan, but I live down in Devon. So um, last away day of the season is Carlisle for me. So I'm uh, yeah. very much looking forward to ticking that one off. I'm, I'm even thinking about flying <laughs> up there at this point. <laughs> it's that far. Seems honestly. easier. It'd be more yeah, reliable than the train. Yeah, the train to take some like age. You can fly from Exeter to Newcastle and then get train from Newcastle to Carlisle. So it's probably a little bit easier than um, going all the way up by train. But yeah, that would definitely be one I want to tick off. A commitment from the way to that a plane and a train. <laughs> and we lose 3 <laughs> 0. Sam, what about you? Um, I'd have probably said Derby as well. Um... I missed Derby this year, unfortunately, away. Um, if I had to pick one from our league, I'd probably say Cholton, which I did earlier in the season. That The ground was unbelievable. Um, if I had to pick a, a ground from the Championship, I'd probably say someone like a Middlesbrough or something like that. Um, I'd love that. Yeah, I'd, I'd go Middlesbrough or Leeds just because of the atmosphere at Ellen Road's always hostile. Yeah, it's one of them. Even if it's not on an away day, just going to a game, it just like such. It looks like such a great place to go and watch a game of football, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's got that history to it as well. Mm, yeah, a lot of those grounds sort of on the way, aren't they? I mean, Goodison Park's another one, isn't it? Some yeah. like a ground with a lot of history that's uh, the sort of slowly dwindling away. But 
the last thing we've uh, got, something a little bit interesting to end on, uh, is sort of Room 101 style. If anyone's seen the uh, the British TV show Room 101, uh, and we call it Footballing Row Z, and we sort of will pick um, a topic or a thing in football that we that we really don't like, and between us, we'll come to a quick consensus of which one we're going to send into uh, to Row Z, and uh, we circle back and we'll go back the other way. So Sam, we'll start with you. What's the the place? Or the thing you're going to put in football. Mine's, really, mine's really weird. Mine is not actually a footballing rule. Mine is one for the spectators. And it's why can't we have our bloody lids on our bottles in the stadium? The amount of people that walk past your seat and kick over your drink, it's such a pain in the arse, especially when you have half of it left and someone boots it over. It's like, oh, sorry, mate. It's like, yeah, I've now spent £3.50 on this and it's gone. <laughs> Is this a problem everywhere? This is the first I've heard of this. I, I thought it was an ear- the rule we get is they say it's an EFL rule. You are not allowed to have the lid on your bottle. Really? Wow. Yes. Yeah, so if you buy like a bottle of I don't know Coke or something, you're not. They take the lid off and go, "Here, here's the bottle." <laughs> Sam, I think you're the only one here who's had that problem. I've not had Do that. You- oh. <laughs> I, I, I always take a bottle of water in with me. That's sort of like and it never it's never ever been taken off me. So. Maybe it must be a sort of like a safety thing. They don't want it being thrown onto the pitch. So. I, I can't see a 90-year-old geezer from Orient launching it at the line when <laughs> it might breach. <laughs> Especially from our stand. <laughs> Jaden, what about you? Mine's uh, a little bit well, it might be as weird and it's a supporter thing as well. Bootleg merchandise, honestly that like the club hasn't made. So I have a real problem with some of I've, some of the stuff I've seen at Wickham recently. There's this someone turns up in a full on like Wickham Wanderers puffer jacket, tracksuit, <laughs> socks and shoes and it's like why have you bought that? Just it shouldn't exist. I I don't like it and it just makes me feel ill every time I see someone wearing it because I just like buy buy a shirt from the club shop. Don't buy a full on puffer jacket and tracksuit. Like what's it, it just it throws me off so much, honestly. I he's waiting it. for Tim Sherwood to get him out of the crowd, isn't he? <laughs> like they did with that fan. He's just waiting for Matt Bloomfield to get him out of the crowd and sit him on the bench. <laughs> yeah. What do you want for Christmas? A Wickham puffer jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Wickham trainers. Chris, how about you? Apparently, none of us like fans here today because mine's no. fan related too. Um, I've got a player related one, so a bit of balance. Yeah. We get. It's a bit of a weird one to explain, but the trust for process fans, but those kind of fans when it's clearly not working anymore. So, if if Charlton fans were saying it at this stage next season, and they still had Appleton in. It's like it's clearly not working. There's nothing left to trust. It's just it needs to stop now. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a point in there where you sort of you get a lot of fans. It's two losses, and it's like get rid of the manager. But mm. I guess after a while, trust the process. You can't trust the process forever, can you? I guess. No. And at least I'm not having to go at fans here. I'm just going to go at the good old-fashioned footballers instead. And diving is the thing I've picked out. Not just like diving, like you'll sort of see more, I guess, in the Premier League, but like going down for like just like little tackles or like a touch or something drives me insane. I mean, I watched the um, the Sunderland Newcastle game at the weekend and that Luco nine tackle, I know it's sort of done the rounds, hasn't it? But that's like that's a but he got straight back up, didn't he? The young lad, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a proper tackle. And I, I think we need more of that and less of the like a poke and you're down and it's a free kick. 
Yeah, they're you, the most you... annoying ones ever. When they're, like, they're trying to shield the ball out and you literally just tap their back and they just <gasps> fall over completely like an idiot. Um, they get a free kick for it because they've fallen over. I mean, when JB... That... So gone. when JB said Newcastle, I thought he was going to say Liverpool Newcastle game, not Sunderland Newcastle. Yeah, the, the one that actually mentioned Liverpool, the, uh, a good example was the Liverpool-Arsenal game, not the one in the cup, but the one in the league the other week. And it was the penalty that Liverpool got towards the end. And Jota rounded the keeper. He's <laughs> through on goal, open net, and he got a tiny touch and he goes down. Rather than putting the ball in the net, because that's too easy, he goes down and gets a penalty for it. And he barely touched in the goalkeeper. And it, oh, no, that, that sort was... of thing drives me insane. <laughs> that was the one I meant. That was Liverpool Newcastle. Oh, right. I see. That just, uh, was it? Uh, I was in Newcastle. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they were. But it just drives me insane, that sort of thing. Really does. It, um, I just dive and I hate that, it. I thought the FA were doing more about diving. Like they were after the games, they could give ret- retrospective mm. action to the player if they did dive. But that seems to have gone extremely quiet. I remember yeah, at the start I... of the year, it was if you kick the ball away or if you do sort of a yellow card gesture at the ref. It was an automatic yellow, and it seems to be just if they remember, don't they, these days? Yeah, the, most of the refs we've had this year, to be fair to them, they've been pretty consistent with you boot the ball away, you get booked. And that's one thing I will praise referees for. They have been very on it mm. with that. Not be on it with time-wasting still. No. Because they seem to have gone back to last year with adding time on, but kicking the ball away and gestures, um, we... yeah, they've been very consistent. I mean, on the added time thing, I did, did say once it got to like December, January time, there was no chance we were going to see like mm. nine minutes added time anymore. No, especially over the Christmas game. Could you imagine they play 100 minutes in uh, in four games over Christmas? <laughs> yeah, beyond all, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right, well, I'm sure we've got uh, a, a bit of a range, haven't we? Three fan-related ones and ones where I just got to have a complaint about uh, fragile footballers. But if you can... Uh, sort of see what people say on Twitter or social media where they see the uh, the podcast. What do you think of our picks there and what would you sort of banish to Rose Ed of football? And uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening to the podcast uh, this week. We'll be back next week again uh, for another League One podcast on the Luxport Media Network as we'll look back on another round of games and probably sure more transfer news by the time we get there. So thank you very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.